Thank you for downloading the One Church Gloucester podcast. This message was recorded live at one of our services. To find out more about life at One Church, visit us online at thisisonechurch.com. So I've got the privilege of doing part three in Heart Detox. Absolutely loving this. And I've also managed to listen to John part on podcast and part live last week and fully live the week before. If our heart really is the wellspring of our life, then that wellspring has to be clean and it has to be right. So this is a really important series. Pastor John has already talked about that transactional where from, you know, according to what God does for you, you will delight into him. You know, you'll delight in him. And yet it's not that at all. God says, whatever comes your way, will you love me? Will you remain devoted to me? Will you praise me above what I do? And then obviously last week, that beautiful delight is doable when we understand the transcendent joy. And this is something, it's like the peace that is beyond understanding. It's the joy that is beyond our circumstances. And that is different to happiness, which is a quick fix. So you must listen. If you haven't listened to part one and part two from Pastor John, you need to. Um, but listen to it after me, because you realise how good he is, and I've got to follow him. That's a nightmare. Okay, then. So how brilliant is that? Um, th- let's have a look at the key verse that we're using for this series. It is Psalm 37, verse 4, and it says this. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So that's great, isn't it? We've looked at our hearts in this, in part one and part two. But in any relationship, there are two hearts. And I want us to get a picture of the heart of God this morning. You see, I will entrust myself far better if I can trust the person I'm entrusting myself to. I will worship so much better if I can see and feel and hear the other side of my relationship. And um, when I got together with Simon Jarvis 31 years ago, it was a blending of two hearts. Now, when I first walked into Dagenham Church as a fresher, uh, going to North East London Poly, which is now the University of the East of London, looks like cold, it still does, and um, I was broken. My heart was broken. I'd come from a broken background. I'd got broken ideas. I'd got broken perceptions. And I'd got a broken outlook and attitude towards other people. Simon was the pastor's son. He was the cream of the crop, and all the girls in the church knew it. They'd all pretty much had words from God that they were going to be his wife. Three of them had actually marched him into his father's vestry and uh, told him so. This poor, scared 15 and 16-year-old going, oh, he hasn't told me yet. You know, run, quick run. (laughs) So uh, he could have had anybody. His heart was different to mine. It was quite a consistent heart. It was a human heart. It had had a loving, strong faith upbringing. He understood how people stick in there with you, how you belong to somebody. He didn't have skewed views like I had. And when I first came into the church as this broken individual, this beautiful pastor's son, who could have picked anybody, 
looked at me through my brokenness, and I didn't know this, but prayed, oh God, let her be the one. There's something about her. There's just something. He saw more in me than I saw it myself in that time. But he had to wait two years for God to clean my mess and rebuild my distorted view of myself and of men and of others and of trust and of love. And he patiently waited for me. You see, I don't think I married Simon according to my heart. I think I married Simon because of the patience in his. And I didn't come to Jesus because of my heart either, guys. The heart of God relentlessly pursued me. He saw me when I was born to parents that he knew were going to struggle. He saw me go to Sunday school and not understand what was going on. He heard my cry when I was a kid in my bed and I could hear the shouting downstairs and I was saying, can somebody hear my cry? He saw me. He sent people to me. He pursued me. He spoke from within and from without. He sent people into my life, sent things to guide me to him. And then when I met him, my goodness, I was transformed. I was transformed from the inside out. My heart of stone was taken out and his heart of flesh was placed inside me with all that it entails. Let's have a look at the heart of God, shall we? This is going to be like trying to show you all the wonders of the world in a Vauxhall Viva in 24 hours, okay? The heart of God is massive. There is a billion and one facets to it each that would wow you. I, I can't do that in 20 minutes. So part of this will be a little prophetic in, 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 in so much as I will take something from God's storehouse uh, for what I feel he might want to say to you today. And, but there will also be some study notes on the podcast page. So for those of you that want to really look deeper into some of this stuff, you can, okay? There will be some key verses that you can lecto divina, okay? Because my goodness, some of this stuff, we need to dwell on it. We need to reflect on it. We need to wait on it. It will transform us. It will revolutionize us as we do that. So firstly, God desires relationship above all. You know, I, I feel sometimes, oh, I work really hard for God. I'm, I'm never so good. I give my Mondays to church as a volunteer. You know, do this, do that do a bit of preaching, do some pastoral care, do some mentoring. I think I work quite hard for God. (laughs) And God goes, like, with respect, do what you like, but give me you. Give me you. Do what you like, but give me you. And God longs for relationship. Let's have a look at Genesis 3. And it says this, it's on the screen. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. The two people that used to walk with him every day, run to him when they heard him, hid from him. Mankind, at this moment, turned their back on God, saying, we know better. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? 
Not what have you done. Where are you? Where are you? I can deal with what you've done, but where are you in this? Where are you in this? Are you repentant? Are you humble? Do you need my help? Mankind had already decided that they knew better. And God's heart was broken. And we see that the Bible is an epic love story of God's relentless pursuit to get his family back. We look at the God of the Old Testament and over their sin, over their brokenness, over their their mess and their pride and their we don't care and their other gods, God would consistently call over them. This is who you are. Please, please realise this is who you are. You don't have to be like that. You don't have to do that. This is who you are. And we're going to look at some of that in a moment. And then when he realises he can't tell them anymore and their sins have piled up like mountains, he realises the only way they have a chance of getting back to him is by him sending his very pride and joy, his own, his son, to stand in the punishment box and have hell unleashed. That punishment was ours for our sin. Such was the love of the Father to send his son. He would do anything to give you a way back to him. He will do anything. He will do anything to give you a way back to him. That is the heart of the Father. So there are three aspects of God's heart I want to look at. Are they exhaustive? 100% not. There's so many things I wanted to say. I'm both a prophet and a teacher. So blinking welcome to my world when I'm preparing. Because the teacher's going bonkers at information and theological correctness. And the prophet's going, stuff it, I just feel this. And I have a wrestle usually for however, from the moment I begin prepping to the end. And you're going to get a mixture of both. So (laughs) we'll just go for it. So yes, there will be lots I don't say. Okay then. We're going to look at three aspects of God's heart. The Father's heart, the Shepherd's heart, and the Lover's heart. Okay? Let's start with the Father's heart. Let's have a look at Psalm 139. It says this, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you. Because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I know that full well. My frame, your frame, was not hidden from God when you were made in the secret place. When you were woven together in the depths of the earth, God's eyes saw your unformed body all the days ordained for you, planned for you, dreamed for you by your Father were written in his book before even one of them came to be. God formed you. I love kids. They're fun. I love my niece and nephew. They're blooming brilliant. But there is something about Jack and Abby that brings out that extra gear of love in me. Because they're mine. There's something about looking in the face of that baby you've created and helped make. And, and it's, I'm besotted with them. I am besotted with them. You are God's man and God is besotted with you. There is something of his fatherhood. You are his. 
in Isaiah, he says, Jacob, do not fear, for I am with you. you and it says, I formed you, you are mine. And the Father's heart speaks to you this morning. You are mine. Abby will come home and go, so-and-so can go to that party. I go, I don't care. You're mine. There's someone else's daughter. You're mine. You're mine. I will fiercely defend you, protect you, teach you, keep you, nurture you, love you, praise you, encourage you, so that you can be everything you're meant to be. You are mine. The Father speaks over you. You are mine. You are mine. I know the plans I have for you. I wrote them while you were still being formed in secret. Before your mum knew she was pregnant, I'd already written your book. I'd already written your book. You are mine. You are the apple of my eye. My son Jack is on camera, so his eye is on me. And he's got to follow me. This is payback. Right, hang on then. Oh my goodness, fair play, son. Okay. This is payback for all the hours I used to watch him. As a child, I would just sit and watch his face. He was my firstborn. And he had these big saucer eyes, his little face. And literally, I'd watch until I. He's smiling, sense that little twitch, usually wind. I would watch him for hours just to see that slight change in his face. Do you remember Mavis coming when he was first born? And we were just besotted, weren't we? We just watched him all the time. Didn't need telly, didn't need anything. We probably didn't even talk for two days. We were probably just looking at him the whole time. What does he need? What does he oh, 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 oh. You are the apple of God's eye. My daughter used to do ballet. Well, she used to do any club that had an outfit until she got the outfit. Then she'd usually give it up. But one of those clubs was ballet. And uh, about four or five, she used to do the old ballet. And the bane of my life was these blinking dance performances where the whole dance company would come out for hours. And they'd always put the little ones right at the end because they didn't want you leaving. But Simon had clocked onto this. He used to say, right, it's about to start. I'll see you in an hour. And I go, no, you might miss me. He went, I will not miss her. <laughs> and we would, I'd be like that, watching these really bad dancers doing really unprofessional moves. Why? Because I was just waiting. There she is. God watches. He watches your circumstances. He watches your world, but he watches for you. You are the apple of God's eye, and he's attentive. He's attentive. For those few minutes you play your part, he's watching you. He's watching you. Abby used to cry a lot. From the moment that girl entered the world, Jack was gorgeous. Jack was really quiet. He put your dummy in. That was it, put, him in, put you in your arm, you could do anything you like, he'd just sit there and be quite happy. Not her. 
She, she caught on to the dummy malarkey. Pfft. I ain't having that. <laughs> I'm hungry. I'm lonely. How dare you put the telly on to take my attention? Where are you? I, I want food. <laughs> this child kept me on my toes from the moment she was born. The moment she was born, she had a different cry for everything. But guess what? When I was in church... I knew her cry. There could be a thousand people in that room. I knew her cry. And I usually knew what it was for. Psalm 40 says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet upon a rock and made my footsteps firm. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to God. The story of somebody that had got themselves buried in stuff. If you are buried in stuff, God hears your cry. I've gone through seasons where I feel I've cried more than it rains in Britain. And I just, just doesn't seem to pass. God hears your cry. He hears your cry and he lifts you up because he's your dad. And he will put a new song in your mouth designed for you Person, the root of person is personal song. You are God's song. He wants you to sing his song. Not an old song. Not an old stock song. A new song. A song of confidence, of love, of I am his. Okay? That is the father heart of God. And yes, he wants to give to us. Matthew says, my goodness, if earthly dads are great at giving their kids stuff, aren't some dads good at giving their kids stuff? Some kids have so much. Don't listen to this bit, Abby, because you ain't getting it. You never ask for it, but you ain't getting it. So anyway, yeah, Beth Ann, you and all, mate. You're so like, forget it. Some dads are brilliant at giving their kids stuff. God says, how much more? How much more I want to lavish on you guys? Because you're my children. Let's have a look at the shepherd's heart. It says in John 10, I am the good shepherd. There were lots of bad shepherds around, by the way, but, God, but Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand isn't the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons them and runs away. Then the wolf attacks and scatters the flock. But I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. And my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me. And I know the Father. I lay my life down for the sheep. The difference between a shepherd and a hired hand was ownership. There were plenty of people that were hired to look after flocks of sheep. The minute there was any trouble, any wild animals turned up, they're off. But not the shepherd, not the good shepherd. Amos gives a brilliant picture of this. If you can capture this, it's amazing. It says, this is what the Lord says, as a shepherd rescues from the lion's mouth, the lion's mouth, only two leg bones or a piece of an ear, so will you be rescued. The shepherd loves you so much that even when it seems like you are lost, why bother rescuing a lamb Two leg bones and a piece of an ear. Really? Is there any point? God says, yes, there is every point. And your shepherd comes 
and he will rescue you. Even if you feel your life is 99% gone down the pan, the, the shepherd comes for you and he gets the jaws of the lion and he pulls you out and he says, two leg bones, I can do something with that. I can make them run for me. Peace of an ear, great. They've got a chance of hearing my voice, a chance of hearing the truth, a chance of hearing again and making the body whole again. The shepherd will not give up on you. Some of you are saying it's hopeless. The shepherd says there is hope. There is hope. I don't care if you're in the lion's mouth. I don't care if you've all but disappeared. I am coming in for you. And by the way, once those bits are out of the lion's mouth, guess who the new food is? Because the shepherd will lay down his life for you. Jesus laid down his life once. The shepherd will lay down his life to rescue you and give you hope. And then the shepherd seeks the lost. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? When he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. You know, that was preached as a bit of a Jewish joke, as a bit of a sort of, ha, 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 silly shepherd. But it's exactly what the shepherd does. Uh, remember losing Jack in Solihull Shopping Centre? So me, Si, John and Louise had taken the kids, they were both very young, to a shopping centre. Girls went their own way, boys went their own way. And uh, we had Abby in the pushchair and we met back up with the boys and said, where's Jack? boy said we thought he was with you we said we thought he was with you he had been missing an hour and we hadn't known and the the turning of every core emotion in me that I realized my little three-year-old my little trusting three-year-old had been alone in a shopping center and could be anywhere I understand what it's like to leave the 99 I don't care about anybody else in that moment. I need to find Jack. I shoved Abby to Simon. I went, you flipping Ava. I'm going to find my son. And I began, me and Louise were running around like rabbits, weren't we? Around this shopping centre where I think the two lads were like, Ooh, feeling a bit guilty. And uh, Louise found him actually, didn't you Louise? And he'd been sitting on the big chairs. Probably pretty much for an hour. A security guard had seen him and said, hi, you, where's your mum? Wouldn't talk to him because he's been taught not to speak to strangers. So that was great. So, but luckily the security guard sort of stayed around with him, around these big chairs. Louise spotted him, ran up and went, Jack, there you are, brilliant, brilliant. It's great. Are you all right? To which the security guard said, oh, do you know this little boy? She went, yeah, I'm his auntie. And to which the security guard said, Jack, do you know this woman? And he went, no. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is God leaves the 99 that are not lost because when you are missing from his presence whoever is in his presence is secondary he seeks he comes to seek and save that what is lost and if he's lost sight of you he will pursue you he is looking for you. Don't think that you're abandoned or sidetracked or left out. 
You're not left out. You might be outside of the field. The shepherd comes for you. He seeks you with all his heart. That is the heart of God. The shepherd. Love the shepherd. The shepherd that says, I'll lead you to the grass so you can have a lie down. The Lord is my shepherd. I won't want for anything. Makes me lie down in green pastures. He, he leads me beside still waters. He calms me down. He, he restores my soul. This earth batters our souls. It batters us because we're not designed fully for it anymore the minute we become born again in Christ. He will restore you. He will mend you. He will soothe you. He will lead you down paths of his righteousness. And even when it's dark, the comfort of knowing this shepherd is with you every step of the way. The shepherd is with you in the valley. Don't think that it's just his rod and his staff. You can't have a rod and a staff without the shepherd. He's with you. He's with you. He walks with you in the darkness. He's not on the sidelines looking down. Actually, that's the enemy that, that casts the shadow in the valley of the shadow of death. It's not God. The light still shines. And the shepherd is with you. And then he prepares a table in front of your enemies. He goes, put that in your pipe and smoke it. As the shepherd would put the straw and the food out for his lambs. And they would come and eat. A, a sheep and lamb only eat if they feel safe. So he created a safe place. They would happily eat. And he would circle when all the bears and the lions and the wolves and the foxes could just look on. He says, they're mine. You want them? You've got to come through me. And your shepherd says to your enemies, you want them? You've got to come through me because I am their shepherd and I will create safety for them and they are mine. And then finally, the heart of a lover the lover's heart. I love this. God betrothes himself to us. He, he betrothes himself to us. He says, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, forsaking all others, I'll be faithful to you. I betroth myself to you. Your maker is your husband. You are my bride. I take great delight in you. You are the apple of my eye. And God betroths himself to us. It says it in Hosea. In Jeremiah it says, for I am your husband. I love that. You know, I've got a really godly husband. And when we wake up in the morning, usually he will turn to me and say, I am such a blessed man. Look what God gave me. And I am greasy and smelly and spotty and breath of a camel. And I think... <laughs> I think if I was looking at me, I wouldn't quite be saying the same thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> at my worst, Simon tells me who I am. At my worst, Simon tells me my worth. And there is a beautiful kiss scene in God's love story and it's found in Isaiah 62 and the people of God have trashed themselves, they've trashed themselves on other gods the hardness of heart and they've even blamed God for it so they trashed themselves on rubbish it spoilt their lives 
And then they pointed the finger at God and said, look what you've done. They didn't even want him. They didn't even want him. And he says, for Zion's sake, for your sake, I will not stay silent. Whatever mud you throw at me, whatever blame or anger you throw at me, I will not remain quiet till her vindication shines like the dawn, her salvation like a blazing torch, till I save my people. The nations will see your vindication. They will see your transformation. And all the kings will see your glory, my people. You will be called by a new name, a name that I give you, a crown of splendor. What that means is you are the trophy I hold up after a match saying, this is what I've worked so hard for. Look at it! And the people go, that's what a crown of splendor is. A royal diadem in the hand of your God, beauty. You will be called Hepzibah. My delight is in you and your land won't be desolate. It will be married. And God gets down as a lover on one knee and reproposes to a nation that had trashed him and blamed him for it. Such is God's love for you. You might have trashed God this morning. You might have absolutely wrecked your life feeling you knew best. And then when it turned out bad, you've gone, huh, where are you, God? God said, it was never my design. You, unfortunately, your actions have consequences. But my love remains. You are my crown of glory. You are my royal diadem. This is who you are, not what you've done. This is who you are, not what you've done. This is who you are. Hepzibah, my delight is in you. Beulah, marriage, your betrothed. I'm your husband. I will remain faithful to you. You may be unfaithful, but I will remain faithful. You may forsake me. I will never, ever, I will never forsake you. Even in eternity, I will not forsake you. I will not forsake you. Such is my love for you. And the lover's voice tells us who we are, despite what we've done. Song of Songs 2.10. Your lover longs for time with you. Longs for time with you. My beloved spoke to me and said, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one. Come with me. See, the winter is past. The rains are over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come. The fig tree forms its early fruit. Vines spread their fragrance. Arise. Come, my darling, my beautiful one. Come with me. And every morning you wake up, your lover is saying, Arise. Come with me. Come spend some time with me. Every morning you'll hear the as your lover throws stones at your bedroom window and you look and he goes, come on, let's go. Let's get some time together. Come on, let's go sit, let's go chat. I want to look into your arms and remind you of who you are. I want you to share your heart with me. What's going on with you? Your lover longs daily. Arise, my darling, my beautiful one. Let's get out together. Let's get some time before all the rubbish starts. All the stuff, all the to-dos. Arise, my beautiful, beautiful one. I long for you above what you do. I long for you above what you achieve. I just want you. 
I just want you, says your lover. And then, oh my days, this was the bit I wanted to get to. In Songs of Solomon 4.9, in the Passion Translation, my beautiful friend Lisa said, read this, it's amazing. I read it and I was gone. I was gone. I couldn't pick myself up off the floor. I was absolutely ruined, and you'll see why. God's speaking to us. He says, For you reach into my heart. With one flash of your eyes, I'm undone by your love. This is God saying it to you. My beloved, my equal, my bride, you leave me breathless. I am overcome by merely a glance from your worshipping eyes for you have stolen my heart I am held hostage by your love and by the graces of righteousness shining upon you your lover is besotted just one look he's ruined oh my days just one look Sarah, as you lift your head, just as you lift your head, while the breath is still in and not out. Ah, I'm gone. You had me at hello. You had me at hello. Utterly undone by your love. You leave me breathless. You know, sometimes in the busyness of my day, I'll be doing stuff, my mind's busy, getting on with it, ticking off my stuff, ticking off my stuff. And the Spirit of God, God's voice, the lover just goes, Hey. Someone say anything? Hey. Come on. Let's just get 10 minutes together. It's just still 10 minutes together. I know you've got stuff to do. Let's just get 10 minutes together. Hey. Do you know, sometimes, I'll be honest with you, my mind is so loud, I miss it. But the grace of God pursues me still. And he'll wait. And I'm busy. Hey, let's get 10 minutes together. I love you. Come on. The lover's voice. There's been times when I have been broken beyond. I can't, I'm in a fog. Cannot see what's going on. And the arms of Jesus, the arms of my lover, will just go, come on. He wants to be a lover to you. He wants you to rest your head in the nape of his neck. Why? Because when you're there, you can hear his whisper. If you're over there, you won't hear it. And there are things God wants to say to you that he can't shout. He won't shout. He's not going to shout them. He's saying, come, draw near to me. Let me draw near to you and I will whisper sweet somethings in your ear. My plans, my purposes, your identity, who you are. Your lover calls over you. And finally, do you know what? There's been times when I've been so moody and angry and indignant. And and the spirit of God has gone, whoa, let's just dance. This was a weird one. I understand it's weird to some of you guys. I am being pictorial. 
but these things do happen. I'll leave that to your local pastors to outwork with you in terms of good teaching. There are times when the Spirit of God has arrested me in a moment and I have just felt slow danced back to restoration. I've cried on God's shoulder, I've moaned and I've disputed and argued. He's gone, it's all right, I can handle what you guys say. Don't worry me. It's better out than in. Yeah. Better out than in, says God. Because at least if you're there, you've got a chance of hearing what I'm going to say back. And God wants you to be there with all that's in you. He desires your relationship. He is your father. He is your shepherd. And he is your lover. Yeah. Band, why don't you just play but don't sing if that's all right guys just take a moment I've literally thrown loads of stuff at you probably chewing on it so just take a moment just to begin to chew on some of that stuff just digest it okay just digest it Jesus you know some of you used to walk with God every day and God is saying, where are you? I ain't seen you. I know you're doing stuff, but I haven't seen you. I've got so much stuff I need to say. Some of you live like you're orphans, like no one owns you. I understand that. That was my life before I was a Christian. But God said, you are mine. I own you. You're my boy. You're my girl. No one can get to you except through me. I'll have them. I'm a fierce mum. You've got a fierce father. He will have them. I'll have those people that try and attack you. I'll have them. But I need you to accept the truth. You're my daughter. You're my son. You are mine. I haven't got time to go into the fact that God also calls himself a mum. God's my mum and dad because my human one struggled to get it right. So there's times when my mum in heaven will just put out her wings and I'll have to cut you up. She'll say, don't talk, just enjoy it. <laughs> Gosh. The best response you can give this is God I am willing to really discover your heart for me. Because what I've given to you audibly is not enough. Do you understand? I'm a visual learner for a start, so I've got to see things. You must get to grips with the heart of God. You must. You must lecto divina, the words he speaks over you, to allow them to change you. And you know what? You need to do it by next week. Because Nathan's message is his heart in you. Oh, bam! I'm so excited. I want to be here. I'm at another, I'm at another church. I want to be here. It's going to be brilliant, okay? I think I've said enough. I'll let you go. Thanks. Thank you. Wow. Incredible. Thank you so much, Ali. Um, 
some of those things there like there was there was a lot there was so much there so if you you have to go and process that re-listen to it like Ali said there's going to be notes on the podcast we'll also put the notes of the Lecto Divina thing if you don't know what that is um, we did it for our prayer week and um, it was just a, a beautiful time of just reflecting on God's word and just waiting in it so that will all be on there as well for you um as Ali was speaking and she was talking about that, so some of those words can be a little bit uncomfortable for us. You know, we're very British. And you know, the words lover and intimacy and uh, relationship with God, that can just seem sometimes a little bit unattainable. But he really wants to spend that time with us. And uh, sometimes we can feel like, oh, well, we've done it. We did our you version reading plan today. I did my reading. I did my, you know, I read my, did my little reading plan. I did my prayer list, and those things are great. I'm no, by no means am I undermining them. They are excellent things to do. Great disciplines. But God says, I just want to spend time with you because we can rush through, through those things. And I remember when John and I first started dating, and uh, it used to drive him mad. But we used to go lots of places, do lots of things together, and you know, in car journeys. And I'd just be like, you know, periodically, babe, we don't spend enough time together. He's like, what do you mean? We're together all the time. <laughs> We're in the car here, and we do this here, and we see that person. I'm like, yeah, but we don't spend enough time together. And he used to drive him posse. He's like, what do you mean? I don't know what that is, but it's like, there's actually there's time and there's time, and uh, and God wants that time together with us where we can just rest and relax in his presence and hang out with him and talk about our days like Ali was saying and um and that's something God's really been talking to me about in the last few months and I'm just like wow I need that time with him and a practical thing I do if it helps anybody else I'll set a little timer on my phone or a little clock and I'll put it away and I'll have nothing else. I'm not reading. I'm not, not listening to anything. But I'm just focusing on Jesus and where he is and what he's doing and what he wants to say to me and what I want to say to him. And then the alarm goes off and I'm like, right. Sometimes I'm like, no, I'm going to stay a bit longer. And other times I'm like, okay, move on with my day now and you're with me, God. But just giving him that time is so important to hear his heart for us to share ours so I just want to encourage you with that this week fantastic thank you again Ali so much what a great morning thank you for being with us and we'll see you soon